Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. This morning, the title of my message is just Trust Issues. If you'll turn in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 17, we'll be there in just a minute or two. You know, one of the first jokes of the age of automation describes a plane load of people soon after takeoff. A voice came on the plane, plane's intercom. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. We are climbing to our planned cruising altitude of 39,000 feet. All of the plane systems are working perfectly, and we expect to land at our destination on time. This is a fully automated plane. There's no pilot or co-pilot. Everything is guided by the computer. We want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong. As they heard it over and over on the intercom. I think I would be trying to get the door broke down and get in the pilot's seat and see what I could do if that happened to me. But that's the world that we live in today. You know, trust is a word that is very important in our lives. When you think about that word. It can make or break our marriages if we don't have trust in our marriages. It can make or break a friendship if trust is broken or trust is never there. It can make or break our business deals if trust is not in the middle of those. It can determine the amount of confidence we have in our government or others if trust is not there. Trust plays a big part in each one of our lives every day. Whether we realize it or not, trust is there. It can help me get a good night's rest or lack of trust can keep me up all night long. When we talk about trusting one another, trusting in our marriage, trusting in our relationships, trusting a person. And one of the hardest things, I've, I've told those that perhaps in a, in a marriage relationship, when trust is broken, it's one of the hardest things to get back, is when you break trust. Trust, we know what it's like. And when it's broken, it's hard to recover because there's always going to be that little bit of, I don't know if that's really where they're at. So trust plays a big part in our lives. And when we are hurt in a business deal or even a relationship, it causes us to have trust issues. It causes us to have issues trusting somebody. I'm sure all of us have seen people that they have a hard time trusting you or that person because something someone else did in their lives. And it influences and impacts their life the rest of their life because they haven't learned how to trust again. Can I tell you, just because there's one bad apple doesn't mean all the apples are bad. But sometimes we group everybody together. And it's a difficult thing for them to Trust again. Back in the early 90s, I was sitting on a church board and our church needed some siding on the back side of it. And that church was about as high as this, this building is. And we're always trying to figure out how to paint the, the back of it. And it's always peeling. And, and I made a statement one time, we should put metal siding on the back and we'll never have to mess with it again. 
And I thought, what a great idea. Well, one of the guys didn't like it until it became his idea. And in the board meeting, he said, well, you ought to put metal siding on the back of this building. I said, that's a great idea. So we met a guy, a business that does metal uh, siding, and, and the name of their business was Alpha and Omega. Man, what a Christian name. Alpha, the beginning, and Omega, the end. And we thought that he came to us, he met us in a board meeting that night, and, and we sat there and listened to a sad story about how he just needs just, some, just a boost in the arm and all that. And, and so we all, the board, we had three of us on the board plus the pastor, we chose to trust him that day and, and give him the money to buy material to put on the back of the building. We wrote a check for $5,000. And to this day, to this day, 2023, that metal has never shown up at that church. Now, I felt bad about that because I, if you, haven't, if you don't know me uh, enough to know that, I try my best to take your good care of God's money that comes into this church. And, and it really tore me up. And, and not only that, I was so trusting. It had been, it, there'd been hell come through the town and, and I trusted him with half the money to buy shingles for my house. And so I had a hard time. If you're a roofer, I'm sorry. I just don't trust you. <laughs> but listen, that one instance, and there were people in town that sued him. We didn't sue him. We let God take care of it. Uh, and, and I get that. But the thing is this. Now people wonder why when we talk about business at the church, I'll say something like, before we give you a dime, I want to see the material. If you're going to rip my house, if you need money off me for your shingles, that means you're taking what you bought on the last one and you're robbing Peter to, or Paul to pay Peter, however that thing goes, and you can't afford to do the job. But it caused me not to trust. But also at the same time, it caused me not to be naive in business deals. And some don't like that, but this is the way it is. It's caused me not to be naive trusting certain people or businesses when it comes to a job. In the book of Jeremiah, God speaks through His prophet on two issues concerning trust. So the reader, which is us, will not be naive when it comes to these places that we put our trust. God sent the word through Jeremiah for you and I. How many believe today the Word's written for you? That the Word of God is alive and it's a well. It's a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. And the Word of God speaks in our life and it gives us direction and, and also speaks of how we should conduct ourselves. And not only that, but it, it speaks on, on things that we should trust and things that we should not trust. Now, I, don't, I did not read anything about roofers in here. But I've read some stuff, some things in God's Word that instructs me on who I am to put my trust in. And that's what we look at this morning, that, those things. The trust He speaks of has an effect on a person now, and it also has an effect on the person for eternity. This trust that He's talking about in this chapter is that powerful and has that much of an effect on our lives. So turn with me to Jeremiah 17, which is already on the screen there. Chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. 
Can we just stand for the reading of the word this morning? That way you can stretch. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spread out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful among all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the minds, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we thank you, God, for your presence here in the midst of us in this place. And Lord, today as we come to this time of breaking open the bread of life, I pray, God, that you'll touch our hearts, speak to our hearts this morning. Through this message, I pray that we can know where to put our trust, God, in all times of our lives, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The all-knowing God. You know, that's one of the first things that we need to get a hold of is that God knows all things. I was thinking this morning as I was praying about what's going on in our country, did you know God knows everything, everything every politician has done? He knows everything that's happening in our country at this moment. He knows what has gone on and what hasn't gone on. He's an all-knowing God. Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Talks about an all-knowing God, knowing everything about us. You know, we can, you can be right next, next to somebody and not know what's going on in their heart, but can I tell you, God knows what's going on in each one of our hearts this morning. He knows what our intention is. He knows exactly where we're at, where we're at and what we're thinking about. He knows why we do what we do and what we expect to get from what we are doing. He knows all these things in our lives. God looked down on Judah, or Israel, and witnesses all that's going on in that nation that bears his name. After all, they're called the apple of his eye. They're called the place that Jesus is going to come back in Jerusalem on that second advent. And in verses 1 through 4, in the same passage of Scripture, Jeremiah shares all the things they were doing that was not hidden from the Lord. Although they thought God wasn't watching, God was taking record. And he explains some of the things, if you read verses 1 through 4, and you'll find the things that were happening. But as we read in verse 10, there's basically nothing hidden from the Lord. He knows what's in our heart and what's going on in our minds. And he rewards that accordingly to what we're doing in our lives, every aspect of it. After looking down upon Israel and looking down upon Judah and watching their actions, he proclaimed two profound insights into the issue of trust. After looking down on what was going on in their life, he said, let me tell you, I'm going to give you two profound insights when it comes to trust and who you are to put your trust in and what you are to put your trust in. He gives us two things in this passage of Scripture. 
And he lets us have some insight about these things. The first is a person comes under a curse when they put their trust in the concepts of man. Let me say it again. The first is a person comes under a curse when they put their trust in the concepts of man. In Proverbs 26.2 it says this, Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. In other words, what's being spoke of there, this proverb says a curse will not come up on a person where there's not room for a curse. Well, there's not a position for a curse to come onto that person. That curse cannot land upon that person. I mean, you know, the curse, a curse can't come up on God's church if we're doing the right thing. I mean, that's all it's speaking. If we're serving God in the right way, a curse can't come upon us. In our scripture, though, we have a just cause for a curse to come upon us. There's a reason that a curse will come. There's a reason that it'll take place. What is that just cause? It's putting one's trust in the concepts of man instead of God. It says, if I put my trust in man, then I will have a curse upon my life. Listen to what he says in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, Curses the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Curses the man that puts his trust in man. Listen, Take it back to Proverbs. Is there a place? Is there a reason? Yes, there is. Because if we put our trust in man, there's an opening for a curse to come upon our lives. Now, I'm not talking about trusting someone. I'm talking about trusting the concepts and the teachings of man over God. This speaks of man's concepts and how to live life or even their thoughts of afterlife or even where we draw our strength in our lives. It speaks of those avenues. What does it look like? It is when we place our confidence in man's ways instead of God's. When we put our confidence in man's ways instead of God. How many know there's a lot of God options out there? Come on, we, we living in a day and a time that there's a lot of, lot of things taught out there. If you want to worship this God or that God, and we have all these different options, but can I tell you this morning, there isn't but one God. And there isn't but one way to that God or to that Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. But we have a lot of options today, and I hear it quite often. Well, I just don't believe the way y'all believe. I, I believe this way or that way. I believe there's another more gods. I was listening to a conversation one time at a family meeting, and, and they're, they're talking about you know even the Muslims serving the same God. And, and I'm thinking, no, that's the concepts of man. That is not what the Word of God says. The Word of God does not give you options on who God Almighty is. But when we put our trust in the concepts of man and the lukewarm stuff that we teach out there today, then we're putting our trust in man and not God. And believe me, you'll find out in the, in the long run there's a curse upon that type of attitude and a, a curse upon that type of faith. Oftentimes we put our faith in money and material things because we think it will solve all our problems and issues. It thinks that we teach, man's way is, get enough money, you'll never have a problem. 
I got a lot of problems. It says get a lot of, build up all your material things, you'll never have a problem. That's man's concept. It's, it's the American dream. Come and get rich and come and get all these things. But yet that's man's ways of teaching things. And we, when we want to really unveil what man's ways is, money can do whatever you need done. Money. Nothing wrong with money. It takes money to do a lot of things, but it can't be your God. Man's another, another concept of man is I just need to be a good person. Can I tell you there's a lot of good people in hell right now? I just need to do good works. I'll be okay. That's the man's way of teaching. You'll be all right. And, and if you've done enough good works, when you stand before whatever God it is or kneel before whatever God it is, he's going to say, come on in because you've been such a good person. Trusted in our works instead of what God's word says. Man's concepts. There's no judgment after life. There are those that will teach you in the way, the way man teaches that when you breathe your last breath, it's just done and it's over. It's finished. You, you, you don't go to heaven, you don't go to hell, there's no judgment, there's nothing like that on the other side of that. Can I ask you, there, I mean, literally, has there anybody been there that has actually come back to tell us about anything? Come on, man, you know, I... I Oftentimes, I think it's kind of funny when people that have only lived 50 or 60 years try to tell us about everything that's happened in the last 6,000 years and not only have such insight on what's above or what's beyond this life. Man, many times, will say there's nothing after this, so therefore just drink Mary and, 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 and be happy. And so this is what many times they say, this concept of this, you know, science claims things that, that, that are not even close to what the Word of God says, and man believes what science says versus what the Bible says. How many dollars have we wasted to try to figure out where we've all come from? Come on, if you ever studied evolution any at all, they've got so many maybes in their theories, you're going, well, maybe you don't even know what you're talking about. And that's what evolution does. It's all about man's concepts of where we came from. Do you know they say that we came out of this little soupy mess? Now, I know I'm ugly. But believe me, God has created me a lot better than this soupy mess. And out of that became this living organism. And then out of that organism became a monkey and an ape. And out of that ape, here we come. There's a lot of things that are taught there and taught in our schools and things. What are those? Those are man's concepts of how we came about, who we came from, where we came from, and where we're going. That's what they're speaking of, and there's so many people buying into that junk. When all I have to do is turn to the first of the Bible, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. It takes faith on both sides of the road. And believe me, what God wrote is much better to have faith in than what man is writing. Cursed is the man that puts his trust in man. Cursed is the man that puts his trust. Our nation's media is full of force, uh, a full, is in full force of promoting things that go against God's way, and many are trusting what man has to say. Propaganda out there versing 
God versus what man's ideals and theories are. Even in the church, we're adapting a nonchalant attitude toward God and His principles and His ways. Listen to what this scripture says here, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, of, of the world, and according and not according to Christ. Come on, we, talk, we get it when people outside the church are being led astray and trusting in man, but when are we going to truly take an inward look into the church and realize how many people sitting on, 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 on church pews and even preachers in the pulpit that are saying and turning toward more of men's concepts than God's concepts? When are we going to wake up? Maybe when we wake up is when God heals our, our church and heals America is when we look at these concepts. See, there are church folks that are giving themselves over to the principles of the world and adopting a lukewarm relationship with God. And going along the concepts of believing like men, men would believe. Let me, I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's many out there after the young people in the church to get them to start adapting, but at the same time, and we often say that, but at the same time, what is our life saying about our relationship with God? What is our life? Do we adapt more of what the, the world says about Sunday? Do we adapt more about what the world says about trust and honesty and, and, and keeping your word with people? What are we adopting today in our own lives? See, the concepts of man, they really don't care what you do to one another. Where are we at? It says, cursed is that person. You know, I'm going to tell you what gets me is when I hear someone called God the Father, God Almighty, God the King of Kings, who we're supposed to reverent and fear, when they call Him Daddy, I think, well, now why would you call someone of that, that office? I, I believe, and if I upset you this morning, that's, I'm sorry, but I believe it's disrespectful. And I believe it's not treating I don't think when if I walked into the presence of God in, 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 in His room where you got the angels going, Holy, 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 art thou Lord God Almighty, and I interrupt everything, Oh, Daddy! That's a concept of man. I realize the word Abba means father, but it does not mean to call Him like your daddy. He is still God Almighty. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, we got to respect. What is that? That's leaning into how man feels about God. We are to give Him reverence and to fear Him. Listen, it's, it's when we look unto man's ways for our strength instead of God. Not only that, not only on the concepts and the way they think about the world, how we should do the world and how we should treat one another and, and, and what our time should be. Can I, can I just say our time is in, in God's hands, Right? And there's a lot of things in this world that has bled over into the church, the principles of the world. I, I think it's time we get some of it back out. No, I'm, I'm just saying we're putting our trust in what man says, not what God says. Man, God says, be ye holy. Man says, live a little bit however you want to. You'll still be all right. 
when we look unto man's ways for our strength instead of God. When I look unto my own self to get me out of my problems instead of looking unto the Lord. I depend, the concept says you need to get out with your own strength. Isaiah 31.3 says this when we talk about, it says, Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. But when the Lord stretches out His hand, both he who helps will fall and he who helped will fall down. They will perish together. Listen, it, it talks about this whole thing of, of the fact that we don't need to look toward, what is He telling Israel? Why did you look to Egypt for your help when I am your help? Come on, I get the doctors and stuff like that. Don't leave this place this morning and say, well, pastor said don't use doctors. I am not saying that at all. But at the same time, we should lean unto God. Amen. God does miraculous things. He says, don't lean unto the strength of men. When we're sick, we do not ask God. That's what it looks like. When we need deliverance, we do not look unto God. When we need hope, we do not look unto God. When we are on our deathbed, we do not look unto God. Why? Because we're looking toward the strength of flesh and not the strength of God. That is man's concept. We depend on the strength of the man or the arm of flesh in order to get us out of trouble. When you read the word of God, my word, God gets his people out of a bind. He never will leave his children forsaken or begging for bread. But when we trust in the ways of man, we also trust in his strength to get us out of it. There's a story in the Bible of Asa. He had a, the Ethiopians were coming against him. They had a million men army. And he was king of Judah, and he didn't have near that many men in order to do what he needed to do. They had a million men plus 300 chariots. And he cried unto God, he looked unto God, and God delivered him from that million man army. What an amazing thing for God to help him out at that moment. Later, though, Israel came up against Judah, a much smaller army, and Asa called the Syrians, called the Caesarians to help, and, and to help him and come and, and fight his brothers. He called unto them, and listen to what God told him. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in the prison, for he was enraged at him because of, the, because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Note that the acts of Asa first and last are indeed written in this book. Listen to what it says. He says, you called on me one time before, and yet I delivered you, and then a smaller army comes to me unto you to, to, to fight you, and you don't call out my name. And God says, do you not know I go to and fro looking to help those that would call upon my name? You know, it's when we turn our hearts from God. Just as Asa did in the previous story, many have started out trusting God, but have turned their back on God and now depend on their money, or they depend on their material things, or they depend on the arm of flesh to help them in the time that they need help. What is the curse? It's this. 
For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places on the wilderness in a salt land with, which is not inhabited. In other words, it says this, there will be life. When you want to trust in man, you'll have some life, but you will not have abundant life. And also, even if you're parched out there in the wilderness, listen, the curse is this, that you will not have life for eternity. I mean, you know, if you're out in the desert, your life is going to be pretty short. It talks of the curse that's going to come upon those that trust men. Can I tell you this morning, there are many upon thousands of people that are trusting the concepts of man, the teachers of philosophy, the, the English or whatever, whatever the teachers, not English teacher, I don't know where I got that, but the teachers... <laughs> There are many that are trusting these things and that man is putting out there, but they're going to find out the curse of this is you may think you have life, but you really don't have life abundantly. Can I tell you this morning, you can be the richest person on planet Earth and still be miserable and not get a good night's rest. There are those that are rich and famous. You can ask, or you can't ask him, but Michael Jackson was one of those that was rich and famous. But listen, he had to have something in his system even to get a good night's rest. I'm telling you today, the curse is this, that you don't have the peace of God and you don't have the, the, the eternal life that God gives. You don't have that future. There's nothing, there's not a future of being out in the desert. The shrub is a shrub in the desert. There's nothing there. The curse is that you may have life for a little bit, but life will not last for eternity. God says there's a curse upon every man or every person that puts their trust in the concepts and the ways and the principles of this world. That's what the Bible says. There are many that don't fear death because of what they've chose to believe in the way the man says it. But let me tell you, eye-opening. Have you ever had an eye-opening moment in your life? Maybe when your mother slapped you upside the head. Or maybe that moment you thought, wow, I get it. Can I tell you something? It's too late to get it if you breathe your last breath, trust in man, because you have a curse on your life. It's too late to get it. The rich man in Lazarus, we find the story. He finally figured it all out. You know where he figured it all out? In hell. You say, well, there's not no hell. I beg to differ with you because the Word of God says there's a hell. And there was a rich man named that, that died and went to, to Hades there. And he realized that he should have been trusting God and not his money. There's this concept. The curse is, you may have your heaven on earth, but you won't have it for eternity. God gives us another profound thought when it comes to trust. A person comes under God's amazing provisions when they put their trust in Him. We come under God's amazing provisions when we put our trust in Him. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he is like a tree planted by the waters which spread out roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will green... Will his leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Listen what it says there. If we put our trust in God... They will be blessed. Amen. How many want to be blessed? You don't have to read a book about it. Just put your trust in God. That's what it says. Trust in man, you'll have a curse. Trust in God, you'll be blessed. 
And you know, the word blessing oftentimes, because there's a lot of preachers that, that, that mess that word up and says blessing is having a, a lot of money in your pocket and, and having all the material things you get. But I'm going to tell you today, the word blessed means to be, have a prosperous life prosperous life, having joy, have peace, have all this stuff inside of it. You're that type. If you laid your head upon a pillow last night and was able to sleep all night, you're blessed. Hallelujah. If you can just go in life and have joy inside of you, you're blessed. I'm saying this blessing is not necessarily money, but bring it on, right? But blessing is also about all the things in life. All those things. There are many people that have died without hardly anything in their pocket, but they lived a blessed life. Come on, I, I know folks that hardly had anything, but they were blessed. <laughs> They would tell you about Jesus and they'd tell you about how he's brought them through. They had a blessed life because they put their trust in God and not in man's ways, not in man's concepts. See, it's the life of abundance. Jesus said it himself, you know, that I'll give you life and life more abundantly. Life that is coming out of sin. The curse has been lifted off of you. How many know when you gave Jesus that, your heart that that curse of death has been gone? Praise be unto God. Somebody ought to get excited about that. Amen. That curse is gone. And now not only that, God says, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, but I've come to give it more abundantly to you. That means you're going to have joy, happiness, and peace. Doesn't mean you won't have a trial every now and then, but I'm saying that abundance is a good thing. Because you trust in God. The world doesn't get that. We're the ones that are blessed. God's people. You have joy, peace, contentment that money can never buy. The next thing about being, putting your trust in Him, they will be nourished by God. It says, like a tree planted by the water that gropes deep roots, enabling it to withstand any storm, they will be nourished by God. You know what I found out in this life? It's hard to figure out what's really good for my body that I like. Notice that last part, that I like. According to my doctors, I need to eat cardboard with no salt on it. Just about. <laughs> for my heart. I get it. But tonight we're going to have some, some uh, green chili sausage. <laughs> Man, it's going to be good. We've been eating that over at my house on men's night. And I told Hunter or Gunner I can't do that very much. Or very, very much. It's bad for me. But I'm going to tell you, just think for a moment. If you put your trust in God, He's going to nourish you. He's going to bring into your life those things that are good. He says you're going to be like a tree planted by the water. He's going to pour into your life. He's going to bring spiritual things into your life. He's going to bring things that are going to help your life to be good. And He's going to keep you solid and planted down. He's going to keep you strong. Good nourishment in, in anybody. Any, any, anybody, when you eat what you're supposed to do and exercise like you're supposed to, you're a healthy person. And it's the same thing with God. When God starts to nourish you and that blessing because you put your trust in Him, you become the strong person that God wants you to be. You can, you can, you can be strong quickly or you can take you a while. But if you just put your trust in God, in those moments He says, I want you to do this. What's He doing? He's trying to grow you a little bit. When He says, hey, 
I need you to forgive this person. What's he doing? He's pouring nourishment into your body. And sometimes it's not difficult. It's like drinking that, that yucky, old chalky protein mix uh, to make you healthier. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes God brings nourishment that we don't like into our life. But what's happening when he's asking us to perform his word in his life, he's nourishing us and strengthening us as men and women of God. And he's helping us become who he wants us to be, that we will rise up and be the children that he's trying to raise. He starts to nourish us in a way. Believe me, it's not fun. I, I've been trying to get back into the gym and literally I've, I've made my mind up to go three times a week on the elliptical and so far I've made it once. I've been, I'm going to strength workout on, on the other days and so far I've done it zero. But I've got hope. I'm, I'm really literally wanting to get back into it and I literally think I'm going to eat better and all this. Listen, I am not quitting because I have failed. Come on, and sometimes we think, well, we can't be nursed anymore by God because we have failed. Get back up on a Monday morning and say, this week, God, I'm going to let you make me the man and the woman that you want me to be. Oh, Lord, pour into my life that I become strong as you want me to be. Have that nourishment come in. It says when we trust in God, when we are blessed by God, He's going to nourish us. He's going to take care of us. We're rooted in Him, and He's going to give us that strength. We are able to trust Him at all times. Our inner strength will increase when we are nourished by the Lord. Listen, when we put our trust in God, they will not fear when trials of life come. When we put our trust in the Lord, we will not fear. The Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In Romans 8, 37, we know this, it is in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height or death or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Listen, we're talking about that God is there for us. And we know that whether when we're trusting God, when He's nourishing us, when we put our, our trust in Him, no matter the storm that comes. Come on. How many of you have had a storm in your life? You've had a storm. You've had a storm. And to most people, it may set them back to where they never trust God again. But when we're really trusting God and He's nourishing us, no matter what hits us, we keep going forward. Some days we may be going in a fast pace. And some days we may just barely be going. But my friend, we are going. Why? Because our trust is in God. Oh, devil, you may think you got me, but I'm taking one inch at a time. And before you know it, it's going to be in my rear view mirror. I'm saying that when we trust God, He gives us the strength to go through no matter what happens in our life. You may find yourself on the hospital bed. You may go through a loss in your family. But may I say today, because you trust God, you will be able to make it through. Will you ever forget what happened? No. But I'm going to tell you somehow, some way, the God of heaven will get you through it until the day that you break glory, open yourself, because God is able. And I, we put our trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. That trust that God gives us. We will weather the storms. Notice what it says. The leaves will not even turn brown because they are in God. Come on. And I know if you've lived any amount of time of all, any length, you've had to go through some things. But thank God 
Amen? He's got you through them. And some of you, he's still pulling you through them. And some of you are fixing to head toward one. But I'm going to tell you, because you put your trust in him, you're going to be all right because you trust the Lord. We will never fail to produce fruit, is what it says in that passage. When we put our trust in the Lord, we will never fail to produce fruit. I love the old song. I said something about old songs early. I love that old song. It says, I got a river of life. Got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. And remember what the old course part of that is. It says, spring up a well within my soul. <laughs> spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and make me whole. Amen. Oh, what a wonderful song that is. Come on, it's talking about being attached to that river of life. It's talking about being attached and having that flowing in us to give us the strength that we need in our lives. Spring up a well within my soul. Oh, come on now and make me whole. That, that strength in our lives. When I put my trust in God, come on, when I put my trust in the Lord, I've got a river flowing out of me. Come on, I'll be productive some way. It may not be as much as I was in the past, but some way I'll be producing fruit. Somebody go see some fruit in my life. Can I tell you one of the fruits of your life of the Holy Spirit is joy? Even when you're going through a difficult time and they'll say something like this, Pat, how can you be so joyful? Didn't you realize what happened to you? You go, I got a river of life flowing out of me. Right? Come on, it's talking about being attached and having our trust in the Lord. What a blessing. Pastor Oliver, you'll come. See, basically, and this is what really saddens my heart as a pastor. It's because I see more and more people putting their trust in the precepts and the principles of the world and blending this, blending it with the concepts and precepts of God. And you know what happens when you do that? You water down what God really wants in our lives. You water it down. We're told to be a people that's separate. We are told to be holy. We're not to be part of the world. But yet we've brought a lot of world into our lives and the way we do things. The Bible says, blessed are those that trust in God. Blessed are those that trust in God. See, people who place their trust in the Lord will be able to withstand all the trials, temptations, hardships, and misfortunes of life. They will be victorious and know the peace, security, and protection of God. They will experience the fullness of life and have the assurance of living eternally with Him. They will be greatly blessed, for this is the wonderful promise of God. If we trust the Lord, we will have what we call the blessed life. The blessed life. That's what I want, is the blessed life. Jeremiah 17, 9, 10 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? The answer is verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways.
according to the fruits of his doing. The heart's deceitful. I mean, your heart can even deceive you. Amen? It can. Your heart can say, hey, you're, you're, you're perfect with God. And we like to hear that stuff, right? But you know, God knows our hearts. There's not a one heart in here this morning that God does not know. He knows my thoughts this morning when I got up, and He knows my thoughts that are going on right now in my head. He knows me if I'm just trying to barely make it into heaven or if I'm trying to make it with all that I can. He knows if I'm trying to compromise and justify the sin that's in my life or whether I'm trying to get the sin out of my life. That's God. And believe me, if you're looking for, and the Bible tells us in the last days, you'll find, any, you'll find preachers that will tickle your ears. And we can find them. They'll tickle your ears. What's that mean? We'll find those that have mixed the concepts and the principle of the world in their preaching, and they have came up with this message that they call the gospel, which is not true. And they'll say, you can do whatever you want to. You can live in sin. You can be in fornication. You can be in adultery. You can do all these things and still make it to heaven because you said a little prayer. I'm going to tell you, that is what God is saying. And the curse is up on your life. Because we're living in a time. We're living in a time that God is preparing His people. You want to know why He's preparing your, His people? Is because He, I believe, is getting ready to step out on the cloud and He's going to call His church home. And you know who He's going to call? He's going to call the true church home. He's not going to call the man-made church home. He's not going to call the concept of man home. He's calling those that have been faithful unto God that have said, I fear and I trust my God. He's coming for the true church and it's going to be a separation one day. Because we've let a lot of things bleed over. And you say, Pastor, how do you know? Because I see it. And it's time that we make our mind up who it is that we trust. Do we trust thus saith the Lord? Or do we say, I trust thus saith man? And if I trust the Lord, I am blessed. I am blessed. But if I trust man, I am cursed. Jesus came to lift the curse. He gave His life that the curse could be lifted and said, follow me as, as, as I keep the commandments of the Father. He also wants us to keep those with love. I ask you today, where are you at? Are you trusting man more than you're trusting God? Or are you trusting God with everything you have? Everything. 